Earthlings, and welcome to your weekly dose of newsy infotainment. It's Let's Be Treasonable, coming to you from various places in and around Los Angeles, including Treasonable Studios, with your cognitive dissidents on the panel. This week, he is an artist and a comedian you've seen on Comedy Central. You can catch him on The Greatest Pod and his current YouTube channel, Reboot It. Always a pleasure to have him with us. Ladies and gentlemen, warm welcome for Mr. Ed Greer. Hey, thank you so much for having me on on this fine, fine Saturday morning. Indeed. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it seems like the fog is burning off, outside anyway, and, and I'm happy, happy about that. It is, it is a beautiful day in Los Angeles. So thank you for being, I got everything right there. It's, you're working on so many uh, things. No, I, no you, you got everything right. And it still sounds pathetic. So thank you. You remind me that I have nothing in a, in, on a sphere spinning in a, in, a, in a universe full of things way more interesting. Thank you so much for reminding me of that. But no, for real, thank you so much for uh, having uh, me and uh, Homegirl you're about to introduce on to, uh, to vent our, our political frustrations. Because, you know, in this time of COVID... Some of this interpersonal jazz gets lost, so you're giving us a chance to vent. So thank you so much, bro. I, hey, I I appreciate you, uh, you know, for for your venting uh, capabilities. Love you, love always. Treasonable Studios, be it online or in person. So Ed, thanks for being here. As he mentioned, uh, we are also joined by comedian, writer, actress, and trekker. You know her from the movie Trivia Schmodown on YouTube. Always a pleasure to have her with us. Ladies and gentlemen, warm welcome for Clee Wiggins. Hello. <laughs> yes, Ed always has a grievance, so he can vent forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, hey, it's good. And ask and- him about bread sharing or nachos. <laughs> well, I actually I do have a question that I'm going to put out <laughs> to the gang later because I don't know if you guys. Uh, this is going to sound like horribly hey here's the white guy so do you guys watch the amber ruffin show on peacock she's just so delightful i mean she is but i just like white guy asking three black people like hey do you like that i I just feel like an idiot but she had done a thing actually it wasn't on her show but it was on seth meyers uh, about how halloween is the official beginning of christmas season and like as as someone who doesn't celebrate the christmas uh i mean you know traditional movie Chinese food. So just not, <laughs> yeah. you know, Jesus and, and trees have very little to do with my Christmas, I guess is what I'm saying. But for, for me, Halloween, like that's okay. You know, with any, any recipes that we're going to try for Thanksgiving, this is, uh, this is test kitchen time. So, huh? Yeah, that's true. My cousin t- tends to test things that she's going to do for Thanksgiving like around Halloween time on her kids and her husband. Yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> these are like, like obviously not last year, but probably this year because they're everybody in her sort of circle is vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, that's probably where we would be going. Should we travel, but we're not going to, we're going to stay here for Thanksgiving this year. Um, but yeah, she always tests stuff on her around this time of year. And like, I always start looking stuff up around the second year. Well, like, what am I going to do? Like, I tend to stick, keep it traditional around here since, I mean, Ed is from Missouri and we're both black. So we just do some, you know, greens and turkey like <laughs> like normal people for Thanksgiving. And my mom is going to send me a turkey this year. That's like her gift to us. She's like, I'm going to send y'all a turkey. And you're like, okay. Yeah, never, 
Never look a gift turkey in the beak. <laughs> um, Absolutely. And like, and she's like, you know, it's gonna be hard to find. I bet you won't find one at the store. So I was like, okay, <laughs> if you want to send me a cookie, that's fine. But yeah, I'll be pulling down. We have a fake Christmas tree, so I'll be pulling that out probably today or tomorrow. It's too early. And, no. I always put it up around Halloween, like either the day of or the day before or the day after. Sometime between October 30th and November 1st is when my Christmas tree goes up. You know, I know I this is going to sound really egotistical. I know it has nothing to do with me, but I can't help but feel that I am partially to blame because I dressed up as Santa for Halloween a few years back. And <laughs> I, I think people, oh, shit, is it Christmas time or I'll bust out the trees? It's like, no, this ah, people have no sense of holidays. I sort of like the dumb fanfare around Christmas because I have really good memories of Christmas with my family when I was a kid. So I kind of like the cheesy, shitty bullshit of Christmas. And I, I do like typical women shit like watch lifetime christmas movies and stuff <laughs> so and, or hallmark christmas movies those are hilarious see um, i i think we've <laughs> talked i know i've talked about this on the show i i don't know if i've talked about it with you guys but like there's there is such a thing of like cringe entertainment these days like shows mm. like ozark or succession where it's like i i have watched like the pilots of these shows and refuse mm-hmm. to go any further because I don't want to spend any time with these people. And <laughs> I feel, I feel similarly about like the people in Hallmark and lifetime Christmas movies. And I've only seen like one or two and not even the whole thing, but it's, it's like you, you don't have to be a genius to know what's going into the Christmas movies and so it's like, no, I think I've seen, you know, like, let me know when another ref die hard, you know, something that it isn't all warm and ooey gooey. And I get it. Like Toll House cookies, you don't fuck with the recipe because it works. And so all these Christmas movies, it's the same formula and it works for the intended audience. For the most part. My my favorite things are I actually do kind of genuinely enjoy them like on a visceral level, but I also enjoy them ironically because one of my favorite things to do is to spot the rom-com trope they use or the spot where they've completely cribbed a plot point from another mainstream rom-com. Like it's so mm-hmm. obvious when they've like stolen from You Got Mail or When Harry Met Sally or whatever, or even like stuff like Boomerang, or it's hilarious. And now I love that they're trying to be more inclusive, so they're con- like including mixed couples and gay couples in their like rom com in their holiday and and all they're all their entertainment really. But they're like completely unacknowledging it, which is both heartening and like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Like, it'll have a gay couple and nobody ever mentions it at all. Or they'll have an interracial couple and race never comes up, not one time. <laughs> it is. Like, they're just living their lives as though nothing and none of it matters. They live in a fantasy world and it's hilarious. But I, well, but I mean, I think that's the idea. And that's the one part of it that it, if they weren't filled with such horrible, horrible people, I might be attracted to is like because the whole thing of not wanting to spend time with shitty people in TV shows 
it's because that's escapism. That's, you know, and I mean, even after a year, you know, or I mean, we've been out of the lockdown for a while, but after not seeing anyone outside of your bubble, that counts as spending time with people, you know, and it's like, (laughs) yeah, I just think they're, I, I enjoy them. I think they're cheesy, but I also like them. Like it's a a bit of, it's a bit of column A and a bit of column B. I, I mean, I like the spirit of the holiday, but it, I worked, I worked retail at a mall in high school and that's like all the Christmas any June needs, you know, is like, (laughs) I worked retail. I don't want to hear any of those fucking songs anymore. (laughs) Trust me, it soured me on Christmas for a couple of years after I stopped working there. I was just like, fuck Christmas. This whole thing is a sham. But actually I had like some time away then I, I like rolled back and I'm, but I still don't like being in malls or in stores like around Christmas time. But you know, it's very irritating. Uh, all that Christmas music can get to a person after. Oh my God, it's it's the worst. (laughs) But uh, the the Bill Murray speech at the end of Scrooged, where he talks about the meaning of Christmas and and giving, and you need a blanket here. That to me, like that part, you know, I'm not a total like war on Christmas. Yeah, we're winning. But uh, yeah, a lot of the a lot of the hype, the commercial bullshit. I like you know a nice chill day. Like I said, you know, get together with uh, fellow members of the tribe. We've already pre-decided what movie we're going to watch because not too distantly in the past, Goyam realized we don't have to spend the whole day with our families, or if we do, we don't have to talk to them if we go see a movie. And, like, on behalf of the rest of the Jews, I want to say, fuck y'all, that was our shit, like, you know, this is this is when cultural misappropriation has gone too far. Is when we can't get into the Chinese restaurants or the movies because all the goyim are there. Like fuck that noise. But enough enough Christmas. Uh, yet on the topic of the gifts that keep on giving, it is always a pleasure to introduce comedian, scholar, and the black voice of reason, Mister Time and Ship. Welcome, sir. Uh, thank you, Dave. Power to the people. I thought you had forgot about the other black person, but uh, no, no, no. It's, <laughs> I, I got around. He got around to me. I was like, "Hey, does he know that the other guy has not been announced yet? He's never done this." Before. No. Usually, we wait until after I introduce you to get way the fuck off, and then it's like, "Oh, I didn't introduce myself." Uh, yeah. Normally, you do it to yourself, and I have to say, "Hey, Dave," and then you say, "Oh, right." Shit, I want so I you. figured yeah. if I lumped us together, like you know, that way it's like, "Oh, shit." I just introduce time and i should tell people who i am shouldn't i yeah (laughs) so anyway before we get to no (laughs) me i'm dr david robinson i am your vin scully for the impending apocalypse and on the vin scully note as i've been saying for the last few weeks uh tip of the hat to the maga crowd i am still insisting that this is the year the cubs are going to go all the way so go cubbies um (laughs) Hey, if the Trump fans can do it, I can do it. Not going to make it happen. Not going to make it true. But I guess sort of on the uh, on the Christmas topic, it's all about the spirit of believing. Ugh. What a fucked up country, huh? Anyway, we'll talk all about that and so much more after a brief message from our sponsors at Community Spread. It's morning in America, and people are waking up to the great taste of Community Spread. I kind of want toast. 
but it can be so boring. Butter, margarine, jams, jellies. I want something new. Here, try this. It's community spread. But you've already taken a bite out of it. What are you, smooth down there? Try it. Whoa, that's sick. But what's in it? What's in community spread? We're still waiting for the CDC to let us know. Well, it's deli- Wait, did he just say the CDC? That's right. Community spread. Available at... Actually, I don't know where I got it. No, but seriously, back to that CDC thing. And it's not just for toast. Pancakes, waffles, sandwiches. Why, there's no telling where it'll show up. Community spread isn't recommended for older adults or people with chronic health conditions. Stop using community spread if you've experienced difficulty breathing or shortness of breath, persistent pain or pressure in the chest, bluish lips or face, new confusion, or an inability to arouse. Community spread. From the folks who brought you, I can't believe I'm not better. It's the toast-topping sensation that's sweeping the nation, and there's nothing you can do about it. And new from the makers of Community Spread, it's Unmitigated Spread Variants. If you barely acknowledged Community Spread before, try Unmitigated Spread Variants, available in Delta Plus variant everywhere, now and when you least expect it. Unmitigated Spread Variants. It's always time for another peak. Well, it is, speaking of time, the 44th Saturday of the year. And being the 30th of October, that also means it's National Trick or Treat Day, which I thought, what the fuck, that not that tomorrow? Turns out last Saturday of October. Uh, because, uh, what do you know, parents work multiple jobs, maybe don't have time to take the kids trick-or-treating. So Saturday when at least one parent probably isn't working. So, all right. I'll give them, I'll give them uh, some props for that. The people who are probably behind National Trick or Treat Day, it is National Publicist Day. Also, National Candy Corn <laughs> Day. Uh, just one day short of Halloween. Sorry, Candy Corn, maybe next year. And it is also Speak Up for Service Day, which I initially, as a former bartender, thought was a great idea. Thought it was about getting people to stop snapping their fingers at wait staff and bartenders. Just speak up, you know, fine, excuse mm-hmm. me. Turns out now it's about uh, uh, praising people who do public service kind of stuff. So I guess, uh... yeah, I mean, I guess that's nice too, but the whole not snapping at waiters and bartenders, basically people who can spit in your food or otherwise poison you, uh, don't, don't fuck with them. Public service announcement. Yeah, again, tangential thoughts, things that come into my head. Well, I'm sort of monologuing here. I will mention that we are 284 days into the Biden administration. And as of today, we've got... Timpany. 745,075 Americans dead from the coronavirus and 45,885,801 confirmed cases with about 220.9 million people having gotten at least one dose of the vaccine with about 192 million of them, including the four on this call who are fully vaccinated. And uh, I know, Timon, you got the booster. Clee, you got boosted? I got boosted on Tuesday. Hey, hey. Nice. Ed? I have not gotten booster yet. Ed will be getting his booster probably in about a month. Right on. Yeah, I think I'm going to try and schedule mine for sometime this week. Although, it's like since I got the Johnson & Johnson and I, everything I've been reading says get the Moderna booster, everyone's telling me because I'm having trouble 
scheduling it because it's like, oh, well, so you got Johnson & Johnson. You want a Johnson & Johnson booster? So, no, I don't. So oh. people have been telling yeah. me, just do a walk-in. Like, find a place that's doing Moderna. That's what I did. I did a walk-in. Yeah. Took two I got minutes. From, I got it actually from my doctor. She was like, you should get a booster. And I was like, okay. She's like, I just made an appointment for you. Go downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> So I went and got it. Like I went, I went to the doctor on Tuesday to do a bunch of things, and she was like, "I made an appointment. You'll have to go just downstairs and to the left, and you'll go get the booster." I was like, "Okay." So it's all Pfizer over here, baby. Nice. Ed got Moderna, so he'll probably end up with a Moderna booster, but we'll see. If, I think if you have Moderna, Moderna or Pfizer is kind of fine. Yeah, it's they're they're like granimals now. You know, it's it's like, hey, you know, well, you I'm about to get real Kyrie Irving on mixing them up. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. I'm about to get real Kyrie on that. I I, I don't know about that. I think yeah. I think I'll I'll stick with my name brand. And I, don't, I don't need no cereal off the bottom shelf to mix in with my already <laughs> present cocoa puffs. Sugar balls and cocoa puffs don't mix. I, I need to keep the same stuff. You know. So I'll, I'll wait till I get my uh, Moderna Cocoa Puffs. I, I can fully understand that. It's, you know, it's funny. It's I rarely buy sugared cereal anymore. And on, on the holiday tip, at some point, I, I don't know when, but the, the General Mills Monster Cereals became like seasonal only. It used to be you could get Frankenberry, Booberry, and Count Chocolate year-round. Yeah, now you can only get them around Halloween. Yeah, so it's like, you know, I buy my annual box of Booberry, and that tends to last. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know what it is, but that that was the one that when I was a kid, it was like, yep, this is this is the cereal that we're going to go with. I think... I don't I, like I, any of those cereals. I get why kids like them, but when I was a kid, I didn't like them. But I like sugary cereals, just not those ones like chocolate or Booberry or anything like that. I was a, more of a Frosted Flakes, Frosted Mini Wheats, Fruit Loops, Tricks kid. <laughs> Those were my four sugary cereals. Tricks are for kids. <laughs> Silly rabbit. I I don't know. I think for, and this is, okay, uh, Timon, you may remember this. Ed and Clee, you may be just a skosh too young. Had mm-hmm. to be like mid, maybe late 70s. There was a there was a cereal called Crazy Cow that the the gimmick the the unique selling point of Crazy Cow is that it was so overloaded with artificial color and flavor that it would flavor the milk in the bowl like oh, wow. regular like cereal milk you know and like even with it's a, a it's now a thing that like pastry chefs do and you're just like you're just putting sugar you're just putting cereal in milk and then straining out the milk Right, but it's, you know, I mean, if you want it, like eating chocolate cereal doesn't get the milk chocolate enough, needs to, mm-hmm. needs to uh, throw more, more flavor, more food dye in there. Let's really like just chemicalize these kids. The big marshmallow got you early. That's, all, <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. Right? <laughs> big I've marshmallow just came into your life. And I can't believe that their selling point was we have more crap than other cereals. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I never really linked them in my head until now. But, uh, you know, I think about that maybe as a precursor to Jolt Cola, which came oh, out I in the remember. in the mid-late 80s, uh, twice the sugar and twice the caffeine. Yeah, 
that was their selling point too, I guess. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah, maybe they just yeah figured we'll we'll put too much of something in in some product, and that'll that'll finally work. So they started with cereal, then they moved to to sodas, and now I guess it's it's fentanyl. Uh, we're just going to put too much fentanyl in, in, well, we'll put it in everything, put it in the heroin, put it in the cocaine. We'll just do too much and it'll sell like hotcakes. <laughs> seems to be working so far. I don't know. Speaking of weird business decisions, uh, figure, Oh, Hey, there's a, a political and topical, uh, comedy show. We should maybe get into some of that, but Facebook I guess just in time for Halloween decided to go as meta this year. Um, I, what, I mean, it, I get it as a distraction, but the thing about Facebook, like, and even as they suck up like Instagram and, and WhatsApp and all these other little money making apps, uh, or, you know, data collecting, whatever it is, same, same, but, Nobody, you know, nobody talks about the corporate overlord of, of Facebook industries, you know, Mm. everyone. And I mean, no, that's not what the problem is. You know, it's not like ordering a soda in Texas. Like I'd like a Coke. What kind of Coke? What Coke? Like, well, you want Dr. Pepper Sprite? It's like, well, if I wanted those, I wouldn't have asked for a Coke, but they call it all Coke. It's not like someone, oh, yeah, I was posting on Facebook. You mean Instagram? No, I would have said Instagram if I meant Instagram, but they're part of Facebook. Well, no. And so it's like changing the name of the umbrella organization. It's like, really? Does that matter? Nobody cares except Zuckerberg. And the I would say, like, obviously the main two reasons are, one, a distraction from all of the issues they've been having over the last couple of years, and B... Um, I find that when companies implement meaningless changes like this, um, it's they, it's a lot of times it's also so that people can justify their jobs because they've had to design the logo, rebrand everything, like, you know, rebrand their corporate headquarters, rebrand what their corporate mission statement is. Probably they did a lot of changes that we probably will never even be privy to, but it employed between five and 15 people and kept them working for two or three years, however long they've been planning this. So, uh, you wonder, I, I mean, it's, it's a way for people to justify their jobs and it's a way to distract for Zuckerberg to announce it is a way for, to distract from the problems that they've been having. Because I, I mean, he's, ne- he's never going to problems. They probably still would have changed their name and nobody, and it just would never have been announced. I mean, what he's been able to do, I mean, I mean, they were even talking about this on NPR of how he caused so many problems in other countries and spreading disinformation. And it's like, it's time for this guy. I mean, no, no one's you know, bothered at the fact that he got, you know, that he put Facebook together, but it's what you did to you use it as a tool to just, you know, you didn't care about when you could have been caring about the American public, you decided to focus on making money and you didn't care that, what you what you're controlling this information and the damage it could do to people you know and i mean you're already a billionaire how much more damage do you need how much more money do you need you're just destroying us from the inside and people are handing it over to him and they it was great that that woman was there that she actually got that info oh francis hogan yeah Yeah, that was perfect 
at first he thought people were too smart to fall for these things. And then, but at a certain point he realized, oh, they are falling for it. But the money and the engagement is so good. I'm going to let it go anyway. I think but the he, people, yeah. So I think it was, I think it's twofold because he's such a fucking robot that I think he legitimately probably thought that people were dumb, dumb enough to fall for some of these people. And then when they did, he was like, but it's causing so much engagement. It's causing clicks. And people are doing other things while they're on Facebook. And like their algorithms then became changed to always like show you things that would upset you or, you know, or make you or cause you to engage, even if it's a good thing, kind of, it would always show you that. And I've even, you know, I've noticed it myself, my Facebook, you know, what I see on Facebook has drastically changed over the 11 years or 12 years, actually more than that, probably maybe closer to 15 years that I've been on Facebook. And it's kind of hilarious. I, I, I will say, though, like when I started thinking about getting an electric bike, I just had to click on one ad for electric bikes on Facebook, and it has dominated my feed. So, you know, yeah. I think as as a tool, like if you use it, you know, you basically what I'm saying is you're not going to bend it to your will necessarily, but there are ways to to use Facebook and it's the the things that are weaknesses from the consumer standpoint you can actually use those to your advantage if you if you try hard enough yeah i mean i don't click on any facebook ads but well, i'm like i sometimes right. no normally and no, things like that so yeah, normally I don't but that was like a very deliberate thing but and i've talked about this on the show before I've I've been told that I do Facebook wrong because I really only use it to post jokes and comedy related stuff and occasionally you know like a well I'll do music also because once a DJ always a DJ but it's you know the 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 old story is years ago went out with someone I had like grown up in the neighborhood with who had just moved out to LA and we were going out to lunch and she she complained that you know how are how are people supposed to know what's going on in your life if you don't put it on facebook i'm like i don't know they could go out to lunch with me and that's right. you know that's always been my thing it's like i don't you know i i'm human so a little bit of personal stuff will get out there but for the most part it's like nah this is this is entertainment time this is another stage for me I mean, I think they knew that. I think he knew. I mean, just like uh, you know, Steve Jobs knew what the what the iPhone would do to people, and they knew what cell phones. We were lab rats. I mean, they tested that shit, and he, you know, and Zuckerberg saw how intrigued, and he knew conflict sells, just like reality TV. What sells reality TV? Conflict. Well, and that, yeah, and I think he used he used all of it. I I would agree with the uh, with the iPhone and the cell phone that were lab rats with with Facebook. Like you know, I was saying last week, Zuckerberg is that weird kid who is pulling the wings off the flies to see what would happen. And we're we're not lab rats there. We're the flies. <laughs> well, but I I think what's missing in all this discourse though is the fact that. I, I think when you invent something, like, I think we're giving the Zuckerbergs of the world way too much credit. Because honestly, just trace it all the way back to what it originally was. It literally was originally, is this bitch hot or not? 
let's be dick let's all be anonymous dickheads and take literal face a book of faces faces of chicks put them up against each other and say which is hot that baseline caveman instinct of put something up have people negatively react to it that's all he invented literally stop it with his genius talk he literally invented a way for dudes to be shitty to each other and it met it metastasized into a way for everybody to be shitty to everybody. What an invention. Whoa, this guy's Tesla over here. Oh my God, it's him, Einstein, and Oppenheimer as the, as the true geniuses of the planet. Get out of here with that. Well, I would you, say he has you, more in common with you, Oppenheimer. Well, I'm just saying, sometimes you, sometimes you, <laughs> something comes out of the bottle that you have no idea what it is. And then right. afterwards, when you monetize it, now you're some asshole. He was an asshole before right. and remained the same asshole while he just, you know, rode this gigantic wave of engagement. And right. that's it. So that's what that's what I'm saying. It's just like, I, yes, he's an evil fuck because he could have tried to put brakes on later. But the fact that these baby brakes, that's what we're reacting to. That's why we're just like, you're lying if you think that we believe <laughs> that you're trying to actually curb this, this deleterious, you know. Right. Well, Stop and, and you know the, the people who caught him were the people already working with him who said, "Dude, you can't do this shit. Do you see what you're doing?" They were calling him on his shit, and he was blocking them out. All these people that he was hiring—remember, he was hiring the top of the line people. The woman who, who who was the whistleblower told him, "This is what I do. This is what I went to school for—to stop shit like this." And you're literally doing it, and I'm going to be here to stop you. You know, I gotta expose you for I'm what Batman. you're doing, and you don't give a shit. You know, and so I mean that's and you're right. He's not a genius. I never said that he was, but uh, he definitely is someone that you know he created something, and he willed it in a way that yeah, we are. I I call us lab rats because hell, I, I said this last week to to Dave. Can you imagine if Jim Jones had the internet jim jones did what he did and he didn't have an internet if he had an internet oh we'd have we, we he'd have killed <laughs> a good thirty thousand motherfuckers because they they were just that dumb well honestly you know, like before from COVID are dying because of the internet that like now like you know it's like you know when you break down who's been vaccinated and who's not it like it's almost in some states it's about a 50 50 split but in other states, it's like 70-30, 80-20, 90-10 type of split of who's been vaccinated and who hasn't um, along political lines. And it's because of the Internet. And a lot of it is because of Facebook. I think he I think he started Facebook not knowing what he was doing with the other people that he started it with. But I think once it took off, he didn't care that he created a monster. He let the monster go and he does not give a fuck. Yeah, monster made him rich. So, yeah. so, so are the pitchforks coming? And the torches? Are they bringing the pitchforks? Well, they the they, <laughs> they brought the torches uh, last or a couple of years ago, and I was going to talk about that trial uh, in a bit. Yeah, they're already bringing the tiki torches. Uh, I guess the pitchforks probably not far behind. Yeah, and it's kind of hilarious too that like you have Twitter who does a pretty good job actually of shutting down a lot of fake speech, deleting accounts, deleting tweets. You know, letting people know you've been warned multiple times and then actually saying and following through. Facebook tends to sometimes follow Twitter's lead when it comes to high profile people who are terrible. 
But when it comes to the average American who is spreading misinformation or when it comes to bots that are spreading misinformation, Facebook does practically nothing and Twitter does a whole bunch. And it's kind of hilarious that Twitter is not is the, one of the biggest social media apps that is not part of the Facebook family of companies. It's not Instagram and it's not WhatsApp. And you can find misinformation on WhatsApp, Instagram and Facebook, but you cannot find that much on Twitter. And when you yeah. do find it, it tends to get deleted within moments. Or within well, he a- says he's going after the young people now. He says he's going to get away from the old folks. And he's going after the young people. Yeah, it's too late. The, the fucking the genie is already out of the bottle. Yeah, well, and that's one of the things with, with the whole rebranding meta is it's supposed to also be taking the company into their next phase, which is going to be a, a bigger focus on virtual reality. And honestly, my personal thoughts, you know, well, no, it's like, you know, we, ah, don't we deal with enough Nazis in real life? Now we have to go deal with them in, in the virtual space. Like, fuck that noise. You know, if, if I am going to get into like the whole virtual reality thing, because of everything we've just been talking about with Facebook and their, eh, eh, you know, I mean, laissez-faire, it's like laissez-faire if you didn't bother to learn French, uh, but, you know, too lazy. But yeah, it, it's like if I am going to go into the virtual reality space, it's not going to be with you motherfuckers. Yeah, I also think like um, it. You know, well, if Star Trek has shown us anything, though, is that Nazis are always on the holodeck. So, <laughs> <laughs> literal well, Nazis. Are I mean, always they, on the yeah, they're going to be wherever you go these days. But there are there are places you can go with fewer Nazis. But I mean, it, it would be nice if you know if he's going to explore the virtual reality space if. One, he made it an affordable thing for people to do. Two, he policed it in a, or, or, or administered it or moderated it, or whatever the terminology is, in a much more responsible fashion. And three, that he, you know, all, not only made it cheaper, but made it like more accessible, like physically accessible to people. So, I mean, if he doesn't follow those three mandates, if those aren't his top in his top five top ten mandates of exploring that space then he's just gonna it's just gonna end up being more of the same well and here's here's a question not to nobody wants to be well that's that's the thing you know are we heading towards like a ready player one type world where it's like yeah sure billionaires are going to space and everything but is is the push for virtual reality basically surrendering to the fact that we fucked up the planet so much that we know not everyone's going to be able to go to space and we're still working out how to make, you know, other planets habitable for human beings. So for the meanwhile, until we can get everyone off planet, you know, everyone that we, the, the rich and powerful would want to take off planet, uh, until we can do that, let's just put you guys, you know, into, the not the matrix you know but yeah is it i don't know thoughts but the, 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 i hate the fact that the very first thing that made me think of is well i gotta get like you know how college gigs used to be the thing 
now like spaceship gigs are going to be the thing, right? <laughs> like you, Bezos, Zuckerberg, and their concubines all up in the, 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 the whole section where they got all the storage and stuff. And they got these chairs set up and they're bolted to the ground because of the antic, because of the no gravity. And you're like, you come on stage with these magnetic boots and you just do your act for 45 minutes for these rich and powerful people. And you'll be off planet when it blows up or whatever. See, but I, yep. Spaceship comic, like cruise ship comic. Exactly. But I was, I was going to say though, I don't know if they would, you know, want, the actual comedians on board. So I'm, I'm thinking hologram, you know, it's the, that's <laughs> well, the way they're going to do it. It's like, well, I was going to end up with Joe Piscopo as a comic because he played the hologram comic on TNG. <laughs> that, that was not good either. <laughs> he wasn't funny then. And he's <laughs> not funny in the future. Forget about it. Yeah, I not as good as that joke. It was like bad Jerry Lewis presence. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's all bad Jerry Lewis impressions, except for you know when you actually have uh, the the clip from the telethon with Jerry Lewis. Yeah, yeah Joe Piscopo just doesn't give a fuck about the kids. He's not even trick daddy in the scenario. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was funny for a while. Uh, you know it. Whatever, whatever. I, I well, would. That we're not, we're not here to debate that. Uh, but what, what I'm, what I'm saying is though, like this whole concept of, um, uh, I don't even want to get into it. Uh, what's, what's the next topic? Because <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's really, it really does bother me that we uh, we're talking about are we heading towards a virtual like reality situation? We're already there. How many people? can run four miles or whatever, period, because we're all fat Wally people. How many people can run four miles, period? And how many people can do it without having a damn phone or a super watch that plays the Rocky theme in their head while they do it? <laughs> who can do these things? These wild men who shoot boar in the, in the night? Maybe some of them. But the rest <laughs> of us are addicted to these secondary brains. You know what I'm saying? So now that we are all addicted to these secondary brains, period, no matter if you like to bake cakes or you like to do karate, whatever you like to do, they got a phone app for your ass to tie you to this thing. So that being the case, it, it's already virtual. And now that they're adding these other layers, you're you're right, dude. Ready Player One isn't prophetic. They were writing about the now. And so that that's, you know, that's it. So that's what I'm saying. It's just like it, it isn't a question as to whether we're heading towards it. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, and and not to, you know, put myself up as a prime example of where humanity should be going, because boy, howdy, I do not believe that. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's there's a little ego involved here, but I, you know, as, as stated in the uh, theme song for Different Strokes, what may be right for one, not so much for others. I'm paraphrasing, of course, because they sang it and it rhymed, but... <laughs> My whole like relationship with electronics and kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, not that you, you know, jerry rig stuff and, and figure out like, Oh, well, how can I change this? But like Madden, like the video game, I never got into sports video games because if I wanted to play sports, I, I would go outside and play sports like first person shooters stuff like grand theft auto 
I cannot do that stuff in real life, but boy, howdy, is it, you know, a release to be able to do it in the framework of a game. And so it's, it's not a replacement for living for me. It's, you know, augmenting or being able to do in a digital frame what I can't now, like cooking apps and stuff, if they've got recipes and there's a video I can watch to, to learn what I'm doing wrong. Okay. You know that I'll go, but a lot of these things, you know, where, Oh yes, join the Epicurean community. And it's like, I don't want to be with people in real life. Why do I want to be with them digitally? You know, it's like, I limit my circles and I am happy like that. Uh, Now get off my lawn. I'm an introverted extrovert, so I sort of like the digital interaction with people, like, on apps like Facebook. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't like people in real life, so I very rarely engage with people in real life. I'm incredibly shy in person. But um, at the same time, I am also have always been sort of a media head, and, like, I've always been a game player. I've always watched a lot of television my entire life, like, whether my mom wanted me to or not. You know, whether my brother teased me about it or not, I'm like, I'm still going to watch it, though. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so, but I would say also that 80% of the content I consume is food related. <laughs> so it's like, I don't necessarily see myself as sort of like, like that sort of TV head. And what I don't consume tends to be sci-fi and history shit. So, you know, wouldn't it, that's not culinarily related. So I don't, you know, but at the same time, not everybody is like that. Some people could do a lot of things that are not very good for them. You know, so you're not going. Eight. You're not going to, to Skirball to see Star Trek. You're not going. No, it's just too many people. <laughs> too many people. Oh, you don't do crowds. I don't do crowds. Not very well. No. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because <laughs> when I saw that, I said, "Hey, please, it's clear." I, that's I, it. I go. Like I do Comic Cons a lot, but usually I go if I'm invited. Oh, I don't okay. go just because. I'm sitting there I, going, Skirball, Star Trek? Wow, that, that's kind of... I never, yeah. I've never paid to go to a Comic-Con, and I would only go to Skirball if I was competitive. Well, <laughs> okay, we've heard it here. I'm a Star <laughs> Trek follower. Yes. And I'm a Star Trek hardcore fan. <laughs> they brought, and they were going to have all the, you know, old school... Uh, they got all the old school stuff from the uh, Star Ooh, Trek, the... Yeah, from the set. Yeah, from the set. Yeah, they're going to have everything. The closest I've gotten to going to something like that is like I went to Quark's Bar in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess on a related topic, the con to Mark Zuckerberg's other con, uh, Elon Musk, was complaining this week about Biden's plan to tax billionaires. Yeah. Um, I, again, much, much like, uh, Zuckerberg, someone I, I just really have a hard time feeling bad for. I would say Elon Musk is in many ways, much worse than Zuckerberg in some ways, not as bad as he didn't change sort of the fabric of society. And I don't think that's his, um, like overall intention. Whereas Zuckerberg very much has changed the fabric of this country, at least if not other countries, but Elon Musk is just a petulant child. He's a son of a bitch. Yeah, I would I would definitely go with that. I and think so is Bezos. Um, 
Ed Bezos is the only one because he started out in San Francisco that I've actually seen become a terrible person. When he first started <laughs> Amazon, I remember where his offices were in San Francisco. It was like a little tiny like storefront type of office that he rented and he lived he lived even might have lived above it if I don't if I recall correctly. But it was small and he was just selling books. It was and it was a way for him to sell books. And then as he sold more things and made more money. He just became like that was that he's very much an example of how power corrupts and you could see it in real time. Whereas with Zuckerberg was basically almost a child when he started and he just never and he's grew kind up. of a bit of a robot because I think he's on the spectrum and he just doesn't give a shit. Elon Musk is a literal child who never grew up. <laughs> yeah, I think the one the one like good thing that he had going for him, you know, when he first kind of started blowing up and it's very telling that you don't hear about this anymore, but the whole idea that Tesla, that the, the car company was not a front, but it was sort of the consumer friendly way to fund development into batteries that are large enough to power houses and stuff like that. And you never, you never hear about that part of the initiative. And I, you know, I guess maybe it, it's not as much of an ego boost as drilling huge tunnels. Yeah. I don't know. He's like a super villain. It's hilarious because like, like Bezos is what happens when you become like, Bezos is like the origin story of a super villain. <laughs> Elon Musk was just born a super villain. Like he was born from a super villain family and he had no choice but to become a super villain himself. And it's sort of, you know, it's very funny to me that Elon Musk like does a lot of things to stroke his own ego, but then also does things just because he's rich and he can, but then also does things that are like, yeah, that would benefit humanity, but it's also kind of gross the way you're going about it. So I don't <laughs> get it like in that way. Like, I want him to succeed in certain areas, but I just, I don't like his approach to pretty much anything. And I worked for SpaceX for about 10 months as just as, as a contract gig um, wow. for when I, you know, as part of my technical writing career, which is my other career besides comedy. And it's pretty obvious there that like, it's sort of not really like a, like they worship Elon Musk, but they're like, everybody there is like very much on board with what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody, he very rarely gets questioned within his own organization. Well, and I think the one, you know, and maybe I'm, I'm digging a little too much and, and looking a little too hard for, for some sort of a silver lining on this, but the one good thing about the world today with people like Zuckerberg and Bezos and, and, um, Elon Musk and not Richard Branson so much like, you know, Branson is a party boy who just happened to yeah, get rich. Exactly. He has a great education. I'm, I have very little issues with Richard Branson. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> all right, but a lot of these people and and just living in the world that they are sort of building, it it really explains like the ecosystem of, of somewhere fictional, like Gotham City. Like if you ever stop to wonder, like. Really, could all these supervillains coexist in the same? Like, wouldn't they constantly be trying to take each other out? And I would think so, but they all want to go after the Batman. Yeah, so <laughs> it's you know this is uh, this. It, I think you know we can we can justify this 
by looking at the world today. Like, yeah, you know, we have, you know, three aspiring Lex Luthers. Um, who'd have thunk it? Yeah. yeah. And they haven't had, I mean, you know. And one sort of joker, but he's not homicidal. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. We don't know that he's homicidal. <laughs> I doubt it. Well, we had somebody who was homicidal, and that was McAfee, but then he died. <laughs> yeah, take you know, death takes the best and the worst of us, <laughs> I guess. No, but I think, yeah, the you know we we've talked on this show, and I don't even remember the context, but the whole thing with you know you don't pay a prostitute for the sex, you pay for the discretion. Uh, this was you know talked to in in. In its original introduction to my life, uh, this was back when I lived in Chicago, and there was a news story that broke about Michael Jordan paying hookers to do what hookers do. And one of my bosses, who such a, a wonderful person, Barb Hoffman, at that point, you know, like 60-something-year-old, uh, just brash, old-school Chicago bride, uh, she was like, you don't pay hookers for the sex. You pay them to keep their mouths shut. And mm-hmm. so if any of these guys were killing people, they do have, you know, I mean, I think normal folks like us, you sometimes think about what it would be like to have fuck you money, like the kind of money that I'm making this much and it gives me the power to tell a lot of people, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want. I think these guys, they, they have like murdering money. Like they could, they could afford to to kill someone and sweep it under the rug. Yeah, if they wanted to, definitely. And based on some of the stuff they do business wise, I'm not saying I think they're killing people. I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me if we found out they were. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Guys, you guys are morbid. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is. uh, No, we're not morbid. It's uh, this is our spooky, spooky Halloween special. (laughs) This is like like listening to the the Adams family. (laughs) We're we're not advocating the murder of anonymous individuals. We're just saying if it's happening, this is probably how. Well, you know, you know what I think. Do you know the sad part? The sad part is, I really think that when billionaires get money, people do get murdered. But I don't think they ever get notified about it. I mean, I think certain people, obviously, certain bad people back in the past, and maybe in certain times now, they probably, yeah, boss, we whacked them, all that kind of stuff that people imagine. But I think the insidious part is there are people doing stuff for these billionaires whose jobs are on the line to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. And so when they run into a problem, they don't even want it to get up this sort of corporate chain to have people have all this stuff. They just be like, I'm going to take some of my own money and solve this problem. Everybody's had one of those jobs where you had to use your own money. Teachers have to use their own money to buy them little construction papers and the little blunt scissors for the kids. They have to use their own money to get their damn job accomplished. Do so you think somebody making $400 million who makes a giant mistake and needs to get three maids killed because they saw something? You think he's going to go tell Zuckerberg about that? He's going to whack them and get it over with. And that's the insidious part of it. I think people are doing all types of crimes to keep these giant conglomerates going. And it doesn't have to get to the corporate uh, chain at all. Well, and if you, if you tra- yeah, like taking it out of corporate and putting it in the political. And I had mentioned we were going to talk about this in a little bit. 
But uh, the the jury in the Charlottesville trial, you know, the the trial started this week. They delivered opening statements, and I I think this is the the political equivalent you look at the the last administration and you got all these like fascist groups like the proud boys and and the oath keepers who they're the ones who are going to see themselves as the muscle and if they think it's okay and not the charlottesville people specifically in this case but i would not be surprised if there was overlap but if these groups of people think it's okay to raid the capitol and and try and kill senators like random individuals you know what hey you know we can take out a senator you know we can kidnap and and kill the governor of michigan you know what what yeah you know, a couple of activists, hey, the guy's in Kenosha, fuck it. Let's let some little white Nazi shoot him with an AR-15 when he comes in from out of state with Charlottesville. You know, and this is this is one of the fucked up things about how our justice system works or doesn't, is this isn't a criminal trial. This is a civil trial and uh, basically trying to find out and prove that the organizers of the Unite the Right rally uh, did intend to commit violence. And lo and behold, you know, there, there were a lot of random beatings and assaults, and it kind of culminated in running over a protester deliberately with a car. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm saying if, yeah, these are the people, these are, it's, you know, it's not just Otis uh, in in Superman the movie. It's it's an army of Otises. Oh, Mr. Yeah. Luther, sir. I think that politicians are more prone to committing murder to stay in power than even billionaires are. And I also feel like, um, you know, I mean, we're all we're seeing it now with like, you know, as the more information is coming out about the January sixth insurrection that there were possibly GOP members who helped to organize that and who knew exactly what was going to happen. Um, and that there's pretty much no way that some processors would have had the information that they had if they didn't have inside information from GOP members, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of gross uh, that they would do that, that they would know, for instance, that they were going to try and kill Nancy Pelosi or even Mike Pence. Like, Hey, you know, acceptable losses. It's I. Yeah. Uh, I was talking earlier about listening to stuff on KCRW. There's a there's a new documentary about Attica, and the the prison uprising, and I think you know a lot of people who did know about it might forget, or if you didn't know about it, when the cops came in, guns a blazing, they killed ten guards <laughs> who were you know hey you know. Acceptable losses, uh, friendly fire casualties. You know, had yeah. to do had to do something. And what well, like, what's the logic there? Better they get killed by our guys than by these horrible, horrible prisoners. Yeah, and it's also it's like one of those things. It's so interesting for them to parse to like you know sort of um, even mentally parse it because you could even flip it and be like. Cops will kill a suspect who threatens to kill themselves. Yeah. 
That is hilarious to me. It's cop logic, they, I guess. But they will, if a suspect threatens to shoot themselves, a cop will be like, no, I'm going to shoot you. How is that better? <laughs> like, that they don't use non-lethal force on people who threaten suicide is crazy to me. Well, I that's, mean... That's not, like, standard practice in every department across the country. I'm, you know, there are some departments who do practice that, but there are a lot of departments who don't. I'm I'm not defending it, but you know I think as as I mentioned, cop logic. You know the whole idea that I I would think, you know, protecting and serving, if you want to go with the old cliche, uh, the public might involve getting inoculated against this mass pandemic that's killing a lot of people. You can't even get cops to sign on to get vaccinated. So it's, yeah. it, it's like, uh, you know, I, we, we had just, you know, we're just now getting used to police killing people the old fashioned way with, with bullets and chokeholds. Now we have to adapt to getting used to police killing people with a virus. Like, come on, that's not fair. That's, that's just putting too much on the public. I think. I think that's the good thing is that a lot of departments, most especially most major departments in major cities, are are instituting mandates, and I think that's a good thing because for I would it just seems bizarre to me that a cop would not get would not get vaccinated when like literally ninety eight point nine percent of their job is interacting with the public, yeah. even with a benign interaction. You don't know. Well, I mean, so cops, nurses. You know, yeah, it's, well, you hear. Well, that's the thing about nurses are just being loud, but the ones who aren't vaccinated are just being loud. But when you actually break down the numbers, it's something like 89% of all nurses are already vaccinated and most of them are going to get vaccinated. And it's like 96% of all doctors are vaccinated. Yeah. And so but, the ones who are leaving are just being super loud about it. And I think it's, it's, it's fantastic. They, they should be loud. They should leave the profession. And I mean, what better advertisement for, for safe nursing than yeah. knowing that the batshit crazy ones who don't take science seriously and don't believe in medicine, they're, they're not in the field anymore. It, I mean, when I was in college, you know, and I'm sure they still do, this wasn't just an artifact from the, from the nineties, you know, they had weed out courses in order to get into the journalism school at the University of Missouri, you had to pass a advanced statistics course. And the reasoning, you know, talk about graft was because the head of the statistics department was married to the head of uh, the undergrad advisors for the journalism school. And it just so happened that, hey, the dean of the journalism school said, yeah, I really wish that I had a more well-rounded education. It's like, you know, I haven't even gotten into the journalism school yet. And I don't need to dig deep on this investigation to know that something is up. But they had, you know, so you had to take that class. And if you couldn't hack it, then you can't get into the journalism school. It's bullshit, but it's a way of weeding out people that aren't serious about doing the thing. And so I think, you know, obviously it's not the original intent of vaccine mandates for first responders, but it's, 
it's an added bonus. It's the gift with purchase. It's the fact that, oh, by the way, uh, we're, we're going to make sure that the people who are here to protect you are going to be safe and everything is going to be groovy. And the people who are leaving, the, the public servants, uh, if you will, who are unwilling for whatever reason to take basic precautions, whether it's wearing a mask, you know, there was a story, there was two New York subway cops and okay. Subway, like talking about subway cops, it may as well be talking about the new Orleans police department. You know, it's like, they don't care, (laughs) but a couple of unmasked subway cops threw a guy out of the subway for complaining that they weren't wearing masks. You know, and then you get the the Chicago Police Union who's insisting that the, the cops in Chicago protest against the vaccine mandate. And, you know, we were talking last week about, you know, take it to the NBA where at least they got a little muscle, you know, where you get Kyrie Irving who said, well, it's not about the science. I don't like people telling me what to do. Well, you know, fuck it. Start your own basketball league then. Don't be a police officer or anything where you are held accountable to the public or or anyone. If you don't like being told what to do, you go (laughs) try and make money doing whatever the fuck it is that you want where no one's telling you what to do. And and see how you, you survive out there on your own. You might make it, you might not. But if you're going to be part of a system, whether it is uh, local or national, political type, you know, public serving position, uh, if you're going to be in a basketball league, if you're going to live in a neighborhood – you have to understand that we are part of a society and we we should all be able to do a little something to make everything better. No? Well, everybody's a scientist now. I mean, the, the guys <laughs> at my job, they're the, you know, they're the uh, armchair scientists where they're just sitting there. Uh, well, Shipney, I've already had uh, COVID, so, you know, bro, I don't need a shot, you know, and nothing's going to happen. And I said, your protection is only for a little while. I said, you can get it again and it will take your ass out and you will be worse. The reason why they want you to get the vaccine is that. You'll have full protection. You've had better protection than what you have, you know, than what you think you, you, you would have just by because you you got it naturally. And I mean, they, you know, um, those guys at my job, I mean, they're real idiots. They, they're, and I, all, I look, as soon as I hear a, a bit of a pushback, I have to say you're a Trumpster. I know you are. And they want to blame. Did I hear this? Well, we're liberals. The liberals are doing this. And I said, boy, you guys are buying in. Real good. It's real good. They're go- we're in trouble. I'm telling you. Yeah. Your focus better. You, you basically have to be, you know, built to last. You know, <laughs> I always said you got to be built to last because you uh, these guys are real stupid. They are and it's coming. But they're, they're firing school teachers. The teachers are going to get fired. They're going to lose their job. Well, let me let me ask you all one thing that 
you know, we're seeing it. He's certainly not the first, but there's definitely a trend of, and I hesitate to use the term because it's slightly oxymoronic, but in some cases, the the reasonable Republicans, uh, Adam Kinzinger, who is on the January 6th committee, uh, announced this week that he wasn't going to be running for re-election. And the, the people on the right who, you know, by rational standards 10, 20 years ago, I would have thought were, you know, proto-fascists, and they sort of are, but they don't seem as bad when the real fascists are, are taking over the party. And I think, I don't know, it, it strikes me as being sort of disingenuine. You are only, you are obviously only in the politics for yourself and not to help anybody else. If you are at a point where it's like, Oh, things are really, really bad. Uh, I'm going to get out. while the getting's good. I, do you guys, am I wrong on that? Like, I think we're just not used to people of that ilk being really honest about what's going to happen. Cause you know, just spending your whole, spending the next six, seven years of your life fighting against people who think that Trump won in 2020 and are trying to vote for him in 2024 and are trying to support all this jazz, like trying to like stem that tide, that inevitable tide. If I had, the amount of money that that dude probably has, I would bow out too. You'd find me in the Himalayas doing talk about hum num no ringe kyo. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I mean, I'd you got your you got your pension and and you know your your Senate health plan for life. You're set. You know, fuck everyone else. Which, as we have uh, said dude. frequently, on but this I mean, show. they have to like they said, we have to make lying wrong again. These well, guys are just. I mean, they're the lie. The fact that that man. Within a six month, what did he do? Six months or so, he put that lie out, and he started. He started putting out what would happen if he didn't win, and they bought it. Mm-hmm. And Zuckerberg and everybody helped him. Helped him push it on through. Yep. And so here we are, and uh, it's not. I mean, you know, to the point that you, as a even if you you're a Republican, you're like, okay, I know Biden won. But then again, I, I I'm fucked. I I, I want to. I, I can't. I can't back this dude because I know he's a liar. Yeah, but I mean, it's I, you know, well, seeing, I seeing people like him, you know, resign, mm-hmm. basically resign. Like I'm not going to run again. I, I don't know. It it strikes me as weak. Like he'll run again. I mean, he told thirty over thirty thousand lies while he was in office. Just while he was in office for those four years. 30,700-something-odd lies. That's a lot of lies. <laughs> For anyone who, who didn't know, definitely but, a lot. You know, and, like, pretty much, like, the only... There's, like, maybe two Republicans who were sort of like, what the fuck are you lying for? And everybody else was just backing up his lies. It makes no sense. Yeah, and these, you know, the the few, and again, you know, reasonable Republicans, finger quotes, heavily intended there, they have the power to try and change things. They are in the club. They can change the behavior, potentially. They can do it a lot easier from inside than they can from outside, but it, you know, I, I believe... Why would believe- you want to be part of a party 
where lying is like that de rigueur, where the president, like obviously politicians lie, it's part and parcel with the job. I get that. I actually don't really have that much of a problem with that because there tend to be very bad liars. But it's like when the president is telling such blatant lies, such easily disprovable fabrications, when everything he says has an article written about it the next day that says, here, that's a lie, and here's why, why you would continue to back that and why you would continue to stay or, like, not fight it from the inside, as you just said, is, like, it's baffling. It's baffling. I, I don't have a problem with Republicans, per se. The fucking, you know, democracy needs checks and balances. It needs people who are extreme, extreme on one side or the other in order to come to a consensus that's a bit better. Now, obviously, I would prefer that left-leaning politics was more the norm than it is. But at the same time, I, as a concept, I'd have nothing, there's nothing wrong with Republicans, per se. I don't agree with them. But there's nothing wrong with them. But to just back that level of lying and continue backing it, it's been 10 months since that fucker left office and you're still repeating his bullshit? That is just the most extreme form of power before everything that I'm that I don't think we've ever witnessed on this planet. But it's, it's also it's it's such a sign of weakness, you know, yeah. that that's that's one of the things that, you know, I certainly never thought, you know, Republicans are strong and big and tough. No, but I, I didn't know they were such incredible wusses that yeah. oh, I, you know, it's I I you know maybe I come from a simpler time when I'm when leaders well, no, were but, expected wait, 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 to I don't know but, lead. Well, no, but what what but but this is what I'm saying though. I think now that you're a grown up and you know that any sort of change on any level takes between eighty and hundred and seventy years. <laughs> now you know that the politician's job is not to change anything. FDR. JFK, that this whole concept that presidents change anything. Presidents are the hood ornament when the car gets to a certain place. The hood ornament gets there first and says, "Hey, we're here," or "Hey, we got to do something." It's it's the thing in the front, but the thing that's important is all that steel behind it, and all that steel has been moving forever. And then they just put a new hood ornament on every now and again. I know you know that, but I'm just saying, like this concept that any politician is going to change anything for the. Uh, it, it's just that to me is ridiculous. That to me is like Bugs Bunny's real, you know, uh, type <laughs> of jazz. Because I mean, honestly, they're there to stem the ties. They're there to be. They're there to be there as these things swim around, as these social revolutions and whatever happen. They're there to to hold the fort while that happens. But they're really interchangeable. And honestly, if I was a Republican. There's no changing those people right now. They have been changed into these people that only understand rhetoric that's way out there. Mitt Romney and people like that are some of the least popular people in that thing because they, they seem sane. Mm-hmm. The most sane Republicans are the most unpopular, the most castigated, the most bullied. You know, they, they can't even sit with the cool kids of the Republican. The Republican Party are over there with tiki torches around their table eating lunch, and you can't sit with them anymore. Yeah, I mean, I you know what I'm saying? I mean Marjorie Taylor Greene. This it's chick just insane. spouts stuff and they just buy it. Uh, uh, Matt Gates to be in jail now, like tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I just miss the days when we were just mad at Mitt Romney because he his family owned a place called Niggerhead Ranch. 
And like, that's the type of shit we should be mad at Republicans for. We shouldn't be mad because they tell dangerous, life-ending lies. There are dead Republicans now, dead of COVID, because they would rather be living on the, but rather be a Republican than save themselves. Some of them like lament it. You know, I have nurse friends, and I keep in touch with them, and they have like, yeah, there's some of them. Almost all now, exclusively, COVID patients are almost all exclusively Republicans when you talk to them, and some of them regret their decision. And some of them are like, Republican till I die, the vaccine is a hoax, I want ivermectin. And they're in the hospital. Like, what is, it makes no sense. I'm in this. We're taking hydrochloroquine, whatever that that shit, yeah. Well, what was great is like, oh, that's an ingredient in fish tank cleaner. We should should ingest that. Doesn't seem to hurt the fish. But I have a friend who's, who, he works for UCLA. I am at this point because it, UCLA has a vaccine mandate in place. He still has his job as far as I know. So he's vaccinated. He has to be or he would not have a job. But he still spouts anti-vax rhetoric on his page constantly. And he tries to tell you what to do if you've been vaccinated against your will. Do this. And it's take literally it's a top cocktail. It's his profile picture. Take a cocktail of hydrochloroquine and ivermectin and like juice or some shit and then ask the doctor <laughs> if you can get up. Like I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But if you ask him if he's vaccinated, he'll say no. But he's still employed at UCLA. And I'm like, how are you employed at UCLA and they have a vaccine mandate if you're not vaccinated? Explain that to me. The and mysteries of the been universe. Radio silent for three weeks now. <laughs> Well, you know, hard to spend that much time on Facebook when you're looking for a job, I guess. Oh, he spends daily on Facebook. He's on Facebook more than I am, and I'm on Facebook a lot. <laughs> right on. Well, I think uh, it it is getting on that time. I did mention that it is the 30th, and uh, even though today is uh, for, I well, we did explain why. It's still... Seems kind of stupid to me, but it is National Trick or Treat Day. But tomorrow is the actual Halloween, so don't know if y'all are doing anything. But uh, at the very least, you know we should all be prepared for the holiday that is November first, half price Halloween candy day. Um, so <laughs> it's you know I mean it's really the only holiday. It's not like the day after Thanksgiving turkeys go on sale, uh, and again. I blame the Christmas people. So that takes us back to the beginning of the show. We have gone full circle, whether it was intentional or not. You'll never know. I'll never know. Who knows? I don't, but I do know that I am very grateful that I did get to spend this time with the three of y'all. Mr. Ed Greer, always a pleasure. Should you so desire, where can people catch up with you and what you've got going on all on or in person in the coming days, weeks, and months? Uh, well, uh, just check out uh, check out Reboot It. We are on hiatus, but the episodes are still up there, and they would love to have your viewership. We do stuff like reboot Star Wars and, you know, really ambitious stuff that we shouldn't do, and that's the point. Get some engagement, get some people in there arguing in the comments, and uh, you'll get in there and argue too, but a lot of it's a really creative enterprise. And uh, The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. Uh, the last episode, we just talked about the individual politics of superheroes. Like what? What when Superman gets in the booth or Batman or Spider Man? What do they vote for? 
we we kind of got galaxy brain on that a little bit and, and went through the text to try to find different instances, you know. So, yeah, that was a great episode. I suggest you listen to it wherever you get podcasts. So thank you, bro. Right on. Thank you. And real quick, uh, and I know I should probably just listen to the episode myself. Do you think Batman would vote differently than Bruce Wayne would? Now, that is interesting. That <laughs> is definitely interesting. Like whether Whatever he's dressed like, he's like, ah. I gotta approve this this new subsidy or uh, this uh, this vigilante law. <laughs> I need to go ahead and push this through. I mean, it's obviously yeah. like the same person. Uh, spoiler so alert! What's the vigilante but law tied up in a bill that would be against the subsidy he needs. Well, yeah, there's oh, like no. sort of a there's there's a lot. You know, there's a Venn diagram <laughs> when you when you come to the the superheroes with the alter egos. Well, dude, we, we would think of Superman as being very liberal, but whoever is coming down with them farm subsidies for Ma and Pa Kent, that, that's who he's voting for. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you see that they're making, which one did they make uh, bisexual? Oh, uh, Superman's, Superman's son, kid. Jonathan Kent. Yeah. Yes. That was the whole kissing cartoon that they put up. That really yeah. went. That, that didn't go well on Facebook. Hey, heroes stuff and people. Really went well. It only didn't go well for people who are homophobic. Everybody else is like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. A <laughs> a heroes need loving to be fictional. Not really going to affect your life if you're. You know, it's like, dear God, we're the we're in a bus that's hanging halfway over the bridge, and <laughs> and and this is a job for Superman. Wait, like regular Superman or gay Superman? Because it's like yeah. you know what doesn't really fucking matter. Whoever's gonna put that bus back all the way on the bridge, no, you baby, you say baby. thank you, and you consider other means of transportation for a while no dave they're not gonna let you get away with that yeah it's gonna, i'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna, gonna get in uh, trouble. Fuck, fuck this it's gay superman i'm staying on this bus until regular superman comes that's what they're gonna do there yeah. you go it's, that's spoken like a true dumbass well American. you know like <laughs> like i had said you know when uh, when you initially brought up the uh if jim jones had the internet and at first i'm like yeah but you would have a much harder time getting people to stir the poison into their own flavor aid and then realized, Oh no, hydrochloroquine, ivermectin, get bleach inside you somehow. No, there would be no problem getting people to put poison in themselves. If you were a cult leader. So yeah, now, well, so anyway, check out Ed's (laughs) YouTube channel. It's like death, destruction, and hey, promotion. Yeah. Hey, you, uh, gotta, you gotta watch something as the Titanic sinks into the sea. Hey, yeah. Molly Brown kept going. So there you have it. Ed, thank you so much for being here. Cleet Wiggins, always great to have you on the show as well. Should you so desire, where can people catch up with you and what you've got going on online or in person in the coming days, weeks, and months? Um, I don't really have that much going on except keeping keeping Ed fed. Um, but you can follow me <laughs> on my socials on Twitter and Instagram. Um, it's mostly nerd stuff and cooking stuff and a little bit of light politics. Um, my most recent post was pretty political. 
Well, like, you know, like we were talking about at the beginning of, of the episode, it's, it is, uh, it's test kitchen time. So, uh, this mm-hmm. is definitely a good time to, to catch up with the cooking side of Klee. Yeah. Uh, I haven't, I haven't taken that many pictures of stuff I've cooked lately, but you'll definitely eventually see my Thanksgiving meal on there. And maybe I'll take some pictures of some things I make in between time. We've been eating a lot of lentils over here. So maybe I'll share my lentil recipe. Right what? On. Ed, you eating lentils? Oh, yeah, they're good if you put enough bacon in them. <laughs> whoa, whoa. I knew there was a catch. I knew there was a catch. Yeah. Is she putting any hog mold in your greens? Oh, uh, I do put, I do put um, either smoked turkey or um, hog maws in the greens. Definitely. Wow. definitely way more smoked turkey than than hog maws. Well, that's definitely crazy. not. Uh, you know, it hey, took me know. years to find out what the hell a fucking hog maw was. That's where I, Harry I, Potter yeah, goes yeah, to school, right? Hog. It's easier to find turkey neck or ham hog. But. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, What's only the, a, Oh, I was going to say the uh, the Italian name for like the the ham that comes from the from the jowls. Oh, guanciale. Yes. That's been practically impossible to find. Whoa, guanciale. I've, I've only ever seen guanciale in a store once, and it was like a bajillion dollars. So <laughs> it literally cost, like, I was like, that's a house. That's also a house. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> that's like but trying to get black truffles or something. Damn tasty yeah. house. Yeah. Usually when a recipe calls for guanciale, I just use pancetta. Yeah. There, there <laughs> are ways around. Well, more cooking tips, more fun, more politics, more Clee Wiggins. Thanks, thanks for being with us today, Clee. Uh, looking forward to the next time already. Mr. Time and Ship, always a pleasure to spend the Yelda. time with you. Should you so desire, where can people catch up with you and what you've got going on online or in person in the coming days, weeks, and months? Oh, uh, they can give me time and ship at wibbly.com is my website. Time and ship at Twitter, time and ship at Instagram, Time and Ship at Facebook, and you can get my book, My East St. Louis, on Amazon.com. I had to think for a minute. And my <laughs> comedy CD is on uh, CD Baby or Spotify. Right on. And as we have been saying, with all the problems with the supply chain these days, what a great way to uh, support comedians and uh, take care of your holiday gift giving needs. Get those books and CDs. Me, I am Dr. David Robinson, and I am on the socials on Instagram. Rarely there, but when I am, I am the Dr. Robinson. On the Facebook, it is dr.david.robinson. And on the Twitter, I am at Stand Up Fall Down. And if you've made it this far into the show, you probably already know, but it bears repeating that we are on the socials as well. On Facebook, all spelled out, let's be treasonable. And on the Twitter, we are at L-E-T-S-B-T-R-E-A-S-O-N-A-B-L. We take off the E's and pass the savings on to you, the listener. Speaking of you, the listener, I want to thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, tell everyone you know, rate and review us on the platforms where you're listening, even the platforms where you're not, if you got the time and inclination. If you didn't like what you heard, not sure why you're still here, but I do appreciate you sticking around. Tell you what, you don't tell anyone, we won't tell anyone. Everyone's happy. Sounds good to you. Sounds good to me. We will be back next week in one form or another. Until then, goodbye. goodbye.